This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, bitches. This is Magic City Soccer. Your home for all things soccer related in Miami-Dade County. I am your host tonight, Omar Mubayed. My usual two partners in crimes are not with me here today. Uh, they are both traveling. One is traveling uh, to the away match that we will talk about in just a second. And the other one, I believe, is in New Jersey. I don't know why, but more power to Matt. Uh, and safe travels to both the guys. So before we get into the meat and, and, and the heart of what this podcast should be about and what I know the audience wants us, or I guess me in this case, to talk about, um, we do need to go ahead and discuss a game that happened prior uh, to the showdown on Wednesday that is leading into the battle for Florida, which we will also discuss not only this week, but we will go ahead and discuss next week as well. Drew and Matt were very keen on not wanting to break down the Puerto Rico game. They had their eyes peeled against the match against the Tampa Bay Rowdies, and let's be honest, uh, nobody here really blames them, right? Uh, if their words exactly were, we got this, we don't have to worry about it. Puerto Rico who? Well, Puerto Rico came and stole a point uh, from Miami. Vincenzo Ranella opened the scoring in the second half after a very kind of not really interesting first half, if I do say so myself. Vincenzo Ranella gets an assist from Jaime Chavez and he's able to bury the ball in the back of the net uh, to take a quick lead early on in the second half, six minutes in. However, Puerto Rico would not go quietly into the night. 14 minutes later, they earn a free kick. And this free kick ends up penalizing Miami harder than you can imagine. Free kick is played through, and it seems like Ramon Soria just loses Mason Trafford. He's able to get a half volley uh, and beat Daniel Vega to the near post. The rest of the game pretty much went as quietly as the first half uh, went through, and... There wasn't a whole lot going on there for the rest of the match. Miami had some chances, but nothing threatening from either team in order to steal all three points uh, away from either opponent here. With regards to the stats, it's one of those things that I guys, you guys know I always love to talk about. I was not at this match. I was actually moving uh, just up the road from Miami just a bit, so I was unable to attend. However, I did watch the match on TV, and again, Opta here tells us that Miami FC had a 53% uh 53% to 47% advantage in terms of possession. I don't think it was that close. I think Miami held the ball a little bit more than that. Uh, when we're talking about the attacks, Miami had 20 total shots on net. 20 total shots on net. I want you guys to keep that number in your head because we're going to give you a number, or I'm going to give you a number here, as soon as we uh, fast forward to the next match, the one that everybody wants us to recap. So, Taking a look at the outline of the game and the distribution, um, the touches were equal, surprisingly enough. Miami, 510 total passes, Puerto Rico 448. The passing accuracy from both teams was outstanding. Miami breaks the 90% clip, and Puerto Rico has just over 87%, which again, these are numbers that are just eye-popping because for teams to be passing the ball this efficiently really shows that either the heat and the humidity was a factor or both teams were playing a wide set and they really didn't want to give up the three, the three points to the other team. Austin Pack led the way with some amazing saves and to be quite honest, I know he wasn't named man of the match, but he definitely was man of the match as he saved Puerto Rico time and time again. 6,115 people were in attendance for this match, and, and they really enjoyed it. was a good game. It was a good game, you know. So it's really important that we keep that attendance number growing. It's also extremely important that we make sure that as a fan base and as Division II NASL fans across the country, it's really important to attend and show up. Because, again, as we talk about every week, we have an attendance panels on our hands every week, guys. And, and I say this... And I try to make not, I don't want to make light of the situation, but it's important. Because eventually, as we keep moving forward, and as we keep talking about, you know, 
a u- possible unification down the road between NASL or USL or even, heaven forbid, some kind of just NASL falling to Division Three, which I don't really foresee happening, it can cause an issue. And it's important that we're on top of that to make sure that it does not become a problem. So, across the board last week, we're going to go ahead and break down the attendance, guys. Shout out, as always, to Mike Pendleton, Fat7Deuce, for giving us the information that we need. Uh, if we want to look at average attendance, USL averaged a little over 4,200, and the NESL was able to average a little over 4,500, which is fantastic to see. What's really important here, though, is that you had two heavy favorite teams hosting matches this week in the sense of Miami FC and the New York Cosmos, uh, both bringing in, as we aforementioned, the Miami FC bringing in 6,115, and the New York Cosmos bringing in uh, just over 5,400 people. FC Edmonton also hosted a match against the Indy 11, and Jacksonville Armada, um, they hosted a match against the North Carolina Football Club, or Carolina Railhawks, however you want to notify them as, alright? Um, but again, looking at total attendance now, Miami FC is falling down the ladder just a bit here, alright? If we're looking in terms of total attendance, Miami's hosted five games at home. Five league games. We're not talking about the cup match just yet. We're talking about five league games. And they fall into seventh. They've fallen just a little bit behind Rio Grande Valley FC from the USL, uh, San Antonio, Louisville City, Sacramento FC, Cincinnati, and Indy 11 holding the leadership, holding the pole. Get it? The pole. Holding it strong for the NASL. Now, that being said, of course, it's really important you know, that everybody keeps in mind that Yes, USL has MLS-owned teams, and yes, they bring down the average, I get it, but guess what? As I mention every week, they're in your league. Therefore, you live with them, and you kind of die with them, all right? I do want to make sure that everybody keeps in mind the NASL table here um, as we're going into this weekend before I preview the Cincinnati, Cincinnati. (laughs) I mean the Jacksonville Armada match, all right? Miami FC sits top of the table. Everybody in the league, with the exception of the Cosmos and Edmonton, have played nine matches. As we talked about last week, the Cosmos decided to tell Edmonton, hey, let's reschedule so we can go play in Saudi Arabia, of all places. Guess what? Uh, they That rescheduled game hasn't been put into the calendar just yet, but it will be made up pretty shortly. Miami FC sits on top of the table at 18 points. Who's in second place? Our neighbors from up at I-95, the Jacksonville Armada, sitting at 16 points. All right. Carolina, New York Cosmos, right far behind. As we've talked about, you know what to expect from these teams year in and year out. Jacksonville Armada is the hot team that nobody was really expecting to see at the top of the table. And they will be a formidable opponent, uh, but we will get to that soon. Now, around the league in the last week of matches, we did have every team play a match. The Cosmos and the Deltas drew 0-0 out in New York. Miami FC and Puerto Rico, as we just discussed, uh, tied it up 1-1. Edmonton got their first win of the season, so congratulations to FC Edmonton and their fans. They beat the struggling Indy 11. I guess who else are they going to beat other than Puerto Rico, right? 2-1. And last but not least, the Armada took care of North Carolina 2-1 uh, on what was a Sunday night fixture. So, the Armada had a short turnaround. The Armada definitely had a short turnaround when it comes to the U.S. Open Cup. Oh yeah, we've entered that part of the show, ladies and gentlemen. The U.S. Open Cup, highly contested cup tournament, uh, something that if you are not aware of, I'm not sure how you stumbled across our podcast because, guess what guys, this is a full soccer degen show here that we're running, alright? So, it's really important to remember that we had 13 matches throughout the third round. Four NESL teams were left in play coming in. Uh, to Wednesday when most of the matches took place. There was one match on Tuesday, and that was the one where we saw the um, the Jacksonville Armada get eliminated, unfortunately. Correct? Tuesday? Yeah, I believe it was Tuesday. Yes, I believe they did get taken out on Tuesday. It's a one-man show, so it's hard to really kind of bring and tie everything together here. Um, but Jacksonville Armada to go ahead and lose uh, to the Charleston Battery, and the Charleston Battery will advance to take on Atlanta United. Another NASL news, we did have the Carolina Railhawks absolutely destroy their statements, the Charlotte Independence 4-1. And we had the San Francisco Deltas getting just by Phoenix Rising uh, with a score of 2-1. The 
over in Phoenix. Phoenix was actually hosting the game. Phoenix Rising FC, notably owned by Diplo. Yes, the DJ himself, Diplo. And the news that you are all waiting for, if you haven't heard yet, do me a favor. Get your head up out from under that rock. Why? Because the Miami FC took down the Tampa Bay Rowdies 2-0. to 2-0, to zero. Two to zero, ladies and gentlemen. Miami FC is advancing in the U.S. Open Cup. So before we talk about what lies ahead, let's go ahead and break down how Miami FC got there. The first half was a pretty much a performance from both teams as let's not lose the game in the first half. Miami FC tried to control the possession throughout the first half. They were able to get just a little bit of advantage and make sure that they were sending balls out wide. They were trying to cut through the middle and, and props to the Rowdies. The Rowdies played a very, very tight and very narrow formation. At a few points in times throughout the match, I was kind of looking at the formation and they were spread apart. I'm talking about front line to back line, maximum 15, 15 yards. It wasn't more than that. So there's very little space for you to move and maneuver if a defensive measure, a defensive tactic is that tight. Because you can't go off sides and you're going to run out of space between touchline to touchline. So what ends up happening is a lot of these short balls need to open up uh, some kind of avenue to break through the back. And let me tell you something, guys. Although Miami FC won this game 2-0, it was very, very easy to make the man of the match, uh, Damian Lowe from the Tampa Bay Rowdies. He was absolutely everywhere. At some point in time, Miami FC could have been up 2, possibly 3-0 in the first half, and Damian Lowe answered the bell for the Rowdies every single time, to the point of frustration. Early on in the match, Michael Hood gets a perfect chance, and he bends a ball that just happens to bend just a little too far. Just just a tiny bit too far. And it is parried away uh, by Akira Fitzgerald, the Tampa Bay Rowdies goalkeeper. Poku also gets a chance in the first half that just is saved at the last second um, by Akira as well. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say Akira, by Fitzgerald as well. Don't get me wrong, though. There was a bunch of times where uh, the Rowdies were attacking and they were threatening. And the way they were threatening were on the long balls, the long balls that came over the top. I guess they've saw in their tapes that people have gotten the best of Mason Trafford in the middle. So what did they do? They decided to put his speed on display. They kept throwing the long balls over the top. They kept trying to hit Darwin Jones. They kept trying to hit uh, Darnell King as well. Darwin Jones and Darnell King. Sorry, I messed those up, guys. So they were trying to hit these guys over the top, and they were trying to find space for Joe Cole. And each time they tried to put the ball over the top, Miami USC was there to answer. And not only was it Mason Trafford, but it was also Hunter Freeman. It was also Robert Casira and Jonathan Barajo. The back four played an exceptionally strong match to make sure to take this team uh, and this game into the half at nil-nil. And guess what, guys? Early on, the persistence and the perseverance paid off. Miami FC was able to start attacking the attacking the pace of play more and more. They were able to dictate what they wanted to get uh, what they wanted to get done. And it finally broke through. However, the main man of the match for Miami FC and the man that opened and unlocked all the answers to the Tampa Bay Rowdies was none other than Dylan Quesoblanco Mares. That's right. Stop me if you've heard this before. Dylan Mares is the reason why Miami was able to beat the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Dylan Mares comes in on the 57th minute and it doesn't even take him 20 minutes in order to start making his presence shown on the pitch. He takes a couple he takes a couple really strong challenges, opens up the defense. All of a sudden you have center backs rushing out to the corner of the boxes to stop him, make a play, and that's where the answers start coming from Miami FC. In the 74th minute, Dylan gets a pass from Poku, and what does he do with it? He runs into the box. All of a sudden he gets mugged from behind. He gets taken down by Georgi Ristov, who again, he's a forward. What's he doing back all the way back in the box? So, Georgi Ristov takes him down, and guess who gets the ball over the spot? Confidently picked up the ball, went straight to the spot, put it down, took a deep breath, took a second deep breath, waited for the referee to blow the whistle, banged it home, bottom left corner, and we have a 1-0 lead by Vincenzo Ranella. Avec formage. Guys, not even 10 minutes later, Dylan Mars does it again. Dylan Mars gets a ball, and the ball is played to him by Michael Hood. So, 
Michael Hood gets Dylan Morris on a release. Dylan Morris works his magic, finds his way into the box, and instead of shooting, does the smart thing. He knows. He sees Jaime Chavez to his right. Plays a cheeky little ball over to his right. Jaime Chavez is able to smash one past the keeper. Keeper got a lot of it. Props to him. But it's able to find the back of the net as soon as possible. In order to get in, Miami takes the 2-0 lead. 84th minute. So there's about six minutes and change left to play. There have been a lot of injuries. So as you can imagine, we were talking about four to five minutes of stoppage time there. So what happens? Absolutely nothing. Vega gets tested. Vega gets called on multiple times in the last 10 minutes of the match. And he holds himself strong to make sure that Miami FC seal the victory, hold the clean sheet, and get to move on to Orlando. That being said, guys, with regards to the stats, it was a game that was really even on paper. However, as we will hear from the players in just a few minutes, I think the players didn't think it was as evenly as the paper says it was. Why do I say that? Well, for the most part, Miami FC had 11 shots. Five of them were on target. Tampa Bay Rowdies only had one shot on target. Miami FC did a fantastic job of making sure the shots came from outside the box for Tampa. They really didn't get any clear-cut chances inside the technical area. And every chance that they had inside the technical area meant a foot, meant a leg, meant a body part of a Miami FC defender and was not able to get through. Miami FC controlled possession for 60% throughout the game. Again, this is a stat that I think it was a little closer than that, uh, but maybe that's because I was a really a nervous wreck inside the box. Um... With regards to distribution, Miami, plenty of more touches on the ball, passing at a higher clip, almost 10% higher with regards to passing Miami FC, completing 89% of their club passes, Tampa Bay only completing 80 And the key here was not making the stupid mistake in the defensive midfield. There was many times throughout this game that Tampa Bay had a chance to capitalize. However, the back four stood strong and made sure that Vega did, wasn't tested too much throughout this game. And what I mean by that is we've seen many a times where you get a 1-0 lead, you get a 2-0 lead, and now your thought is, okay, we got to hold it, right? Let's park the bus. Let's put it back. Let's make sure that nothing gets past us, and let's seal this game out. However, once you have that mentality, you open yourself up to having many, many a times bad passes. You're trying to play the ball to the center mid, and you see there, and and you you kind of just tunnel vision yourself, and you don't see the striker coming in from the right-hand side, and bam, oh my god, interception, and he's breaking the other way. Well, this happened one or two times throughout the match. What was strong about the defensive performance was that you had midfielders rushing back, and in hockey we call it a back check, but you had midfielders coming back and marking that guy. You had the person who made the errant pass getting in front of the streaking forward at this point and cutting him off, forcing him to change his angle, closing the angle so his shot is, is easily intercepted or easily seen or blocked by Vega. So it was really important. Uh, for Miami FC to really not only hone in on their mistakes, but at the same time, make sure that they go ahead and, and, and not allow the Tampa Bay Rowdies to capitalize off just a, a simple mistake, for lack of better words. Tampa Bay Rowdies were tackling up and down the field. They were able to go ahead and complete 13 tackles, which was absolutely insane. A lot of their tackles were clean, um, but again, guess what? They picked up four yellow cards uh, for their work in that game, but it is a survive and advance tournament, so those yellow cards do not accumulate, and now they are out uh, of the contest moving forward. Miami starting 11, uh, you had Vega at the back, you had Freeman, Casira, Barajo, and Trafford. Uh, Barajo and Casira were playing as your wings, Freeman was inside with Trafford. Your starting midfield was Calvin Resend, Richie Ryan, and Mike LaHood. Stop me if you've heard that before. And you also had up top Jaime Chavez, Quadwopogu, and Enzo Ranella. Again, that forward three have played every match. And we talked about it last week about who do you want to see playing every match. And and the boys told you they want that for top three going. Yes, you can sub in Pino every now and then. It won't be a problem. However, you did want to see that solid top three. It is a one-man show. And <coughs> as you can imagine, after a while, it does become quite thirsty here trying to, uh, you know, get the... the the juice is flowing and get those vocal cords stretched out. Gabriel Farfan entered the match at the end. He was able to come on and add that fifth defender presence, and he did sub out for goal scorer Vincenzo Ranella um, and get some minutes uh, for him and for his confidence going into Saturday. So Miami FC now, they've played 
two matches in essentially the last seven days. And they will have a third match going against the Jacksonville Armada, who are also in the same boat, however. But, you know, a trip up by 95, it's it's never easy trying to go ahead and check up that, that route. Miami UC haven't been the most successful side against the Jacksonville Armada. Um, truth be told, hasn't been easy playing them, especially last season. But this is a team that they are familiar with. This is a team that is streaking. This is a team with guys that you wouldn't necessarily think right away would be threats. However, you got to keep in mind that just because you don't think they're threats does not mean that they're not a formidable opponent. Being second place in any league is cause for concern when an opposition comes uh, to your home base. However, it also forces teams to take a stronger look at your roster and, and how it's possible that you are sitting in such position. When you take a look at Jacksonville Armada's uh, lineup, there's not a lot of guys here that, uh, you know, whose names scare you, whose names pop out, right? Not I don't see a lot of guys who I can remember from last season, but again, that that's possibly my own fault in a sense. However, keep in mind, Zach Steinberg, their midfielder, he was just named player of the month for the NASL. So they have quality up and down the roster. The name, the household name may not be there for them. However, they do have that quality. It's extremely important to realize that Jacksonville Armada have accumulated a lot of their points off the teams at the bottom of the table. Um, this is the first time that they're going to be playing Miami FC this season. Um, and it's important to really remember that they haven't been tested like this before. And, I mean, arguably, you cannot say the same with regards to Miami because Miami has already played the Cosmos. They've played, I guess, yes, albeit an indie struggling, I'm sorry, a struggling indie 11 team. Um, but Miami has not played a San Francisco Delta. Miami has definitely gone up against the Cosmos and gone up against FC Edmonton. But if I take a look at the Armada's schedule, you've got six points just off Edmonton, and you went ahead and got another win against the Deltas, and we don't really know what the Deltas feel like, at least here at home. So nine of your 16 points come against the teams that, you know, with regard, all due respect to Edmonton, who just got their first win of the season, aren't one to strike fear into your name. If you look at their rosters, they went ahead and they drew a match at home against the Delta 0-0. Uh, the Cosmos were able to draw them up at MCU Park 1-1, and they drew against Indy 11, go figure, right? And they did lose a match to North Carolina 3-1. So this is a team that if they show up to play, uh, can cause problems, but Miami FC's roster and depth should be able to hold their own. It's really important for Miami to <clears throat> influence and dictate the pace of play and make sure they're playing the game that they want. Jacksonville Armada, notably, not a lot of scoring in their games. A lot of these games are staying under three goals for the most part. So they want to shut the games down. They want to play from out the back. They want to make sure that they limit how many chances you get, but they will strike you on a counter whenever they see fit or whenever they see that opportunity open up. So it's really important for Miami FC with a lot of tired legs to... Stay focused, stay disciplined, and make sure that you try to do your best to not get caught out here. So, before we keep looking at Jacksonville on the road ahead, um, I do want to play some sound for you that I was able to get from the press conferences here uh, in the game where we beat the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And we got to advance and talk about it in just a second. Take on Orlando in about two weeks' time. So first things first, uh, the press conference was led off by Dylan Mares. So let's hear from Dylan right now. Dylan, can you talk about what this game means to win that game and, and to move ahead to play an MLS team next? Uh, it means a lot, and they've emphasized that from the beginning. Um, you know, these games are really important because it shows that our league can compete with, you know, all the other leagues in the, in the country. And to keep moving forward and keep progressing is, is good, and it builds confidence confidence for us going forward um, in our league in our league games. Um, obviously, the further we go, the more of a disadvantage for the league games that we'll have if we play a team that's not in Open Cup. But again, you know, I'd rather be in playing games and uh, continue moving forward in this in this Open Cup than not be in it. Second time you come in the second half uh, in terms of open cup games. What's the mentality like for you when you're coming in off the bench, especially in these matches that are survive in advance? And the reason I say it is because you were the game changer against the Surf, and undoubtedly you were the game changer again tonight. Um, you know, it's it's something that 
I think that I've developed um, throughout my career because there was a time where I was not, you know, playing as much possibly, and I would come into games and I had to have a mentality that I have to come in and change the game in order to get in a position, maybe in the future, to be able to do the things and play more and start and all those uh, things. But again, it's it's something that you just got to. Um, whether you're starting or not starting, have the same mentality and come to the game prepared to play at any moment. And I think that's something that I've always instilled inside myself. Uh, and again, they just reiterate it and make sure that you're concentrating on the game and watching to know that when you come to the game, what you need to do and tactically or whatever it is that you need to do to help the team. Dylan, you played a role in both of the goals, plus you picked up a card. So I think it's a pretty complete night in uh, what 33 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good to come in and help the team in any way. Um, I'm glad that we got the win. That's the most important thing, regardless of who does what. Um, the card, it was just something that uh, I, I didn't think I, I got the ball, I thought. But, you know, the ref was calling things left and right. It <clears throat> got a little heated towards the end with certain tackles. But, you know, it's part of the game, and we'll move forward from here. When you got taken down inside the box, that gave Rinella the opportunity to um, get a little revenge from uh, from the yellow card that uh, in, the, in the scratch that he took in the first half. Um, talk to me about carrying that ball into the 18 and the pressure you felt from behind. I mean, I just I, I felt I saw the guy in my peripherals, and when I was coming in, I just wanted to get in front of him because I knew if he would got close to me, I could go down. Um, but he got more than close enough, so it was allowed me to, you know, draw a penalty. Um, and if he doesn't touch me, then it's 1v1 and I get a clear shot. So, you know, sometimes it's a good decision as a defensive player. Um, was it a card? He should have gotten something. I don't know if he got a yell or anything I didn't see, but um, it's from behind and he's the last man, you know. So, um, but it was good that I'm glad Ranella finished it. And the pass to Chavez? Yeah, it's just something where I saw that he was by himself and he had a lot better angle. I mean, he was dead center in front of the goal and there was a guy coming towards me, so he had a way better position than I did. Can you talk about the tension? You guys have tied them three times and with 72 minutes, it was still 0-0. What, what was the, how tense was it at that moment on the field? Um, you know, honestly, I always say that starting the game is more in, intense than, you know, leaving further and further into the game because especially down here there's heat and mentally physically everyone starts to get drained a little bit so the more we move the ball the the more open the game becomes and it allows you know the forwards and midfielders to find the ball higher up the field uh, and it allowed us to open up the game and and find the positions to get the job done Um, yeah, I started to drift out wide, um, and I, you know, I saw they were flat, and the movement from the forwards and midfield in front of them was very good, and, you know, Hunter hit the ball, and luckily they're, like you said, they were just out of position, so you got to take advantage of those and make sure you capitalize on them. So that was Dylan Mares, and again, he was the key to unlocking the game. He was the key to making sure that Miami FC were able to do whatever they wanted against the Tampa Bay Rowdies after his second-half substitution entering the game early on in the second half. So, of course, it wouldn't be a press conference without having another goal scorer, Vincenzo Ranella, and Nesta at his side talking together. So let's hear from the gaffer, and let's hear from Enzo right now. From Miami, so yeah, there were moments where where they got a little heated, but overall, you saw a team that, that really showed a good deal of composure that you see developing and evolving mentally as well as as tactically and physically. Tell me a little bit about what's going on uh, throughout the season and how you see them improve for that single match. 
But the problem here in Miami to play soccer is the heat. If we play Saturday, a good game, tough game against Puerto Rico, to recover the energy is not easy. Today, if uh, we, okay, patience is good, because uh, if we start to force every ball, and we give the ball to them, after we have to run much more uh, to get the ball. This is uh, our philosophy. We want uh, uh, the ball, because when we have the ball, we are good. When they have the ball, it's not easy for us. This is a... Uh, and play Miami, I told you. It, uh, it's tough, because uh, every game today to recover energy for Jacksonville is not easy. Tomorrow we have to go to the training session, uh, the treatment for the players. Tonight, you only took, uh, the team only took 11 shots, which is well below the, the average. Um, were you concerned, especially after the first half, that the team wasn't taking enough shots, wasn't taking enough chances down the pitch? Yeah, today was uh, tough uh, because uh, I played three strikers, the same guys, uh, the last game. It's not easy because uh, I, I understand. I can't ask every game to give pressure, high pressure, after uh, have a good decision every time. I'm happy because we want to zero the other team, just uh, Carolina, the other at home. Yeah, they won 4-1. Jacksonville, home. Jacksonville lost on uh, home goal. It's not easy. Play three games uh, per week, and uh, I'm very happy. We have first position. Now we go to play a beautiful game in Orlando against the Kaká, Nocerino. For me, it's a uh, wow. You oh, talked about suit up? No, no. <laughs> you shared the field previously with Kaká. Is that something, do you know how to game plan for him should Orlando put him in the 11? Because we know typically, especially last year against the Strikers, Orlando fielded essentially their USL team. They didn't field their strong starting 11. So looking at guys like you've just mentioned, Nocerino, Looking at the Kaká, Kyle Laren up top. In your head, are you is this team prepared and ready to go against guys of that level and of that fitness? But now I don't I don't think about Orlando. I just dream uh, the day we I stay at the stadium, Miranella, the other <laughs> beautiful, the grass. And uh, no, now we have a very important game Saturday for me one of the most important game of the season because if we win it became a very interesting the de season for us next question yes. all right nothing for ronella yeah. uh, can you ronella can you talk about what it means uh, to win this game and, and to move on to the fourth round yeah we are happy it was a difficult game we want to be first in the championship but we want to keep going uh, on the cup, and, and we are happy to, to play the, the next round. How much pressure did you feel with 0 0 when you stepped up to the spot? No, it's okay. It's, it's football. I, for the penalty, I take the ball. It's okay. I feel okay. You played a team that's um, in the, the top of their league, um, second place in the USL. Was there extra motivation you know, playing another? top team from similar division that's in the same state? Yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it will be interesting, the game. Tampa is a good, uh, good team. Last year was playing in, in our league. They have more or less the same player, and we know before the game was a tough game. But I think, I think the, the team play a good game, and, and we are happy for the victory. So three goals in three games, in your last three games. How big does that goal look to you right now? Any bigger? Because you tipped the penalty very calmly and you were able to beat the keeper uh, just outside his just outside his grasp. So, is it a mindset you're going in every game and, and, and not only looking to put yourself on the score sheet, but at the same time, does, does that look any bigger? Are you getting better chances, or is it just a matter of the ball just hitting the right spots and going in? No, I I feel okay. I'm in good moment. I I score goal, so I was a uh, can we say confiance. Confident to, to to kick the, the penalty and it's okay. So that was Nesta and that was Vincenzo Ranella and you may have heard my question there. 
asking Vincenzo, how big does the goal look to him? And it's, maybe that's just in a very American sports cliche, like, how big does the basket look? Or, oh my God, how wide is that hockey goal looking to you right now? It kind of got him off guard. I'm not sure if he knew kind of the intention, the lightheartedness of that question. Um, however, the one man who is always very lighthearted and will always speak the truth to you, no matter what the setting is, is Mike LaHood. And guess what? We've got our recently announced Sierra Leone call-up for international duty, Mike LaHood, the captain of this Miami FC. And we have him here right now. <laughs> Mike, first of all, congratulations on representing your country. Thank you very much. That's huge. It seemed like tonight was like the fifth position that you played <laughs> in games. Yeah. Um, you know, it's good to be a utility man if you're a baseball player. Um, teams seemed to really start to, to come to shape when you went to the right when Dylan came in in the left. Mm-hmm. Was that the change in the game that the, that the team really needed? Um, yeah, I think uh, Dylan did a great job of being a huge spark plug. Um, you know, he's been a great contributor for us since coming here from Indy, and that is a role that uh, when I played against him for the first time last year when I was playing for the Cosmos, uh, he was very effective, uh, either starting or especially coming off the bench. Uh, his quickness, uh, he's definitely direct, uh, but make no mistake that I think Calvin did a great job um, in really doing his job and kind of making the way for Dylan to do the rest and finish it out. Um, you know, so you know, hats off to Dylan, but also hats off to Calvin. I think we got a great young group of uh, guys coming through the ranks. Before the season started, you talked to me about this higher mentality that Nesta wanted the team to play. Yeah. And, and it seems like the team's playing to, to that level. Is it at the level he wants, or is there a higher level? Is there another gear that this team can go? Are any of you guys Italian in the crowd? No? Um, The one thing that I've learned is Italians are never satisfied. Uh, And fortunately and unfortunately, we have a full staff of Italians. (laughs) And our coach happens to be one of the greatest Italian players to play the game, and that's saying something. Um, So... You know, he keeps us humble with his um, with his demand, and he's got a very high level of demand for us. Um, so, I think this is a game that we're going to enjoy as a group. And, and I know, you know, he enjoys, um, although he probably won't show it too much up here. But uh, you know, I'm very proud of our guys. Um, he was he crying? <laughs> That'll be the day. Um, no, but. This is uh, this tournament's about survive and advance, and we did more than survive tonight. We beat a very good team, um, and I think we made a statement for our league that uh, we're better than the Rowdies, <laughs> not just any team. We're better than the best team in the USL, um, and I think that that makes a statement not just for the NASL, but it makes a statement for this club because uh, I think we're pretty damn good, and we get to we've earned the right to show it in a few weeks' time against uh, the level that we think that we can compete at which is against MLS teams and uh, you know right now we we enjoy the right to be there and hopefully we we continue this uh, great run Uh, but like I said proud of our guys and you know we just look to keep it going on Jacksonville on Saturday yeah were you surprised I mean they're they're pretty the Rowdies are pretty efficient effective counter-attacking team they played really narrowly even a little more narrow than they usually play it seemed like kind of force you guys out wide and what does it say about the depth that the team has that you're able to orchestrate and create a lot of chances from, from wider positions when they had obviously tried to take Poku yeah uh, limit his influence um well one of the things that in preseason we played the Rowdies and I think last year we kind of got uh cornered into one style of play which was a swift passing possession oriented style and um I think the coaching staff did a great job of getting us more balanced with players like Dylan. Um, and obviously guys like Baggio, uh, who's a natural winger, um, who plays in the back and gives us a more direct route to goal. Um, and, you know, plan A didn't work tonight at times, which is dominate possession. And at times we did. Um, but we're developing a plan B, which is if you want to make it a fight, we will fight you. <laughs> If you want to make it a game of soccer, we will beat you. 
if you want to make it anything in between, we will figure out a way to get the better of you. And the one thing I can say tonight, and so disrespect to Tampa, but um, I think we have more character than they do. Um, when it gets hard, that's something I remember from preseason. When uh, it was a hot game, it was a difficult game, it was a closely contested game, um, we wanted it more and we fought harder. And tonight, we wanted it more and we fought harder. And when you know our coaching staff, Nesta always calls it a hot moment. That's when you really see the character of the guys you have. And um, you know we took advantage of when the moment got hot um, and we never looked back. And I think that's, that's a good sign of, of a good team and hopefully a championship team. Um, so just keep it going from here. You're talking, gentlemen, about US Open Cup and uh, how much do you enjoy playing in a, in a one and done tournament and now yeah. to get the chance to play an MLS team up there? Um, I love it. You know, I've uh, had the privilege and <laughs> absolute sadness of uh, losing two finals. So I know a little bit about uh, what it takes to get almost all the way there. Um, it's an amazing experience. It has the power to really um, create some un unforgettable, you know, memories and character building moments for for your team, and um, you know, for a club like ours, I think now that we get to you know before the game, we all kept saying, you know, we make sure we play Orlando City. Um, after a game like this where we get a very important win, we're kind of left unsatisfied by just going to Orlando just to say we checked off the box, at least we got to play Orlando. Um, I think there's a feeling of we can beat Orlando. Um, and I think, I know for me personally, I've played against Orlando, and they have very good players. And um, But I don't think uh, they're a team that we should fear. Um, they're a team that we should respect. They happen to have a guy who's won the World Player of the Year, and he's pretty good in Kaká. They have guys like uh, Kyle Lahren, who's a, a young stud, knows a couple of things about scoring goals. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a soccer game. And that's what I love about the U.S. Open Cup is that uh, it's 90 minutes or 120 minutes or all the way to penalty kicks, um, and anything could happen. And in a game where anything could happen, I think we stand an amazing chance. So we go to Orlando not to be counted, but to win. Um, and that's that's what we expect when we go there. How does the mindset change now from going from club to country? Uh, mm. Congratulations on the call, but Thank what you. does your mindset change now? Do you know the role you're going to be playing uh, for Sierra Leone, or is it something you'll find out when you get there? Um, it's something that I'll find out when I get there. You know, it's as amazing of an honor. Let me forget my back cane. <laughs> Sorry. Um, maybe it's good enough. But as amazing and an honor as it is, um, you know, my club comes first. And I haven't left yet. And, you know, it's all the guys joke around in the locker room, you know, say, hey, you still have a job to do. You know, and even, trust me, Nesta reminds me every day. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's something that, I, like I said, I'm very honored. Uh, and I feel very privileged to be able to represent my country. And it means a lot to me because of my story and how close I am to my country. Um, but I also um, I have a huge responsibility here in Miami FC, and I'm really excited that um, we put ourselves in a great position to go up and play almost uh, a final against Jacksonville. Um, we have a chance to put him to the sword. Uh, we made a statement tonight um, that we're here to be counted and we're for real. Um, and we have ambitions, and we're ready to realize those ambitions. And I think Saturday we have an opportunity um, to really flex our muscles in the NASL, um, to make a statement that uh, not only um, are we, we feel like we're the best team in the league, uh, but we're cutthroat. And that anyone that comes to play us or we go to play them, uh, we're looking to put them to the sword. So uh, we're looking to put Jacksonville to the sword. And Michelle, you can print that in bold. <laughs> Locker room talker. Hey, Mike. You're one of the leaders of this team on and off the pitch. You've worn the armband when Johnny hasn't been in the game. And you just mentioned that you played in two finals in this tournament before. Are your teammates or all your teammates aware of what your past is in this tournament? Because it's almost like when a baseball player is talking about in the minor leagues, he's talking about, hey, I made it to the show. You've done that. You've been in the finals in this tournament. Are they aware of that? Do they come to you and they know you as a leader? Do they know 
of that experience? Um, I think you know today um, was the first time. You know, obviously when you when you play the PEL team, it, it's it's their World Cup, and so you're really playing surviving events, <laughs> um, and it's helter skelter. And I think there was a moment today where I was looking around and it was kind of nervous, you know, energy where we, it's almost like we didn't, we couldn't tell if we were, had control of the match or what was going on. And I don't think we even realized how tired they were and how we could have easily been up a few holes um, in the first half. And, you know, and after Alessandro spoke, I walked over to some of the guys and said, uh, we're okay. <laughs> like, guys, relax. You know, um, because in a cup tournament like this, one moment makes or breaks your journey. And I've been, I mean, I've been in games against FC Dallas where, you know, <laughs> we had one shot and we won the game. And we defended for our lives. And in, in some of the games, as you progress further, there's always a game where you experience that, where you don't play your best, but you do whatever it takes to win. And that's why I love this tournament. It's, uh, you know, I can't say the word I want to say. It starts with a B and ends with two L's and an S. Um, but... Has a vowel in it. <laughs> yeah. Can I buy a vowel? But, um, you know, that's what I pride myself on is character. And... You know, I'm I'm really excited about the opportunity to not only see some familiar faces, you know, against an MLS team, but also share that experience with my teammates. And um, I'm really excited for the young guys because this is something that I know is going to make them, regardless of the result, is going to make them better players for us moving forward. Um, and you know, I think we're a championship caliber team. And you know, tonight I think we we. We played like it, and you know, we live like it. We're on out. So, next up is Jacksonville, and uh, we do what you know champions do: is we kick their butts. The word you were looking for was chutzpah. Chutzpah. Thank you. And as you've just heard from Mike Lohood, this is one of the reasons why we wanted to press so hard to get a podcast out to you before the game against Jacksonville. He doesn't mince words. He definitely does not. Uh, he calls it, and he tells it like he sees it, and, and definitely props and much respect to Mike LaHood um, for, for calling it like he sees it, for, for being a blunt individual and telling you straight to your face what he thinks and, and, and how he interprets matches to be. He wants to make sure that no matter what, Jacksonville is not overlooked. Why? As you heard Nesta say before him and as you heard LaHood say, um, this is the game that creates a massive separation on the table. You're going to go into six games left, and you're going to get to see a five-point spread at the top. So if Miami is able to beat Jacksonville and and open up a five-point spread between first place and second place, and you know that Jacksonville has to come back to you and play you at home at a place that a lot of players don't want to come to because of the heat and the humidity and the loudness and the ruckus that is FIU or Ricardo Silva Stadium, It creates a really big advantage, and it allows one key important thing. It allows Miami FC to play freely when it comes to the Open Cup in Orlando. Now, I said I would talk about the Open Cup in Orlando. However, I want to make sure that I address that for you guys next week. And the reason I say that is because, guys, we have a job to do. We have to go ahead and make sure that we knock out and we beat the Jacksonville Armada so we don't have to worry about you know, a separation or coming into that match in second. And this way, once we get past the Armada, we know that we have a trip to Edmonton coming up that we'll talk about next week. But right after the trip to Edmonton, hey, we have Orlando. We have a match to win against Orlando to continue our cup dreams and our cup hopes. All right. So we're not going to get into that this episode because it's too much for a one-man show. Uh, We do have this week in NESL Roundup. Jacksonville Armada and the Miami FC will be leading the NASL games uh, at a 7 o'clock kickoff on June 3rd. Today, hopefully, if you're listening, if you're not catching this too late. Uh, following Jacksonville Armada's kickoff, or I'm sorry, Jacksonville Miami's kickoff, you'll have Puerto Rico FC hosting FC Edmonton. And then you'll have the San Francisco Deltas hosting the Indy 11 at the nightcap 
on Sunday, June 4th, you have Carolina hosting New York Cosmos at 4. So we have a couple different days here of play for other teams. You know, you get to watch a little more NASL action left and right. The makeup game, I know I said earlier that there wasn't a makeup game set yet for the Cosmos in Edmonton, but Wednesday, June 7th, because Edmonton's not in the United States and they don't play in the Open Cup and the Cosmos have been out, kicked out of the Open Cup last round, there will be a makeup game. So you will have midweek NASL action coming to you on June 7th and 730, uh, where the New York Cosmos take on the FC Edmonton, which we will probably be recording around that time. So meh, whatever happens there, we'll figure out at that point in time. Well, with regards to all things Miami soccer, we did see that FC Surge, Miami's women's soccer team, uh, did release their roster. They start releasing names, announcing who's going to compile their roster this season. And a lot of notable names on that list for a full recap of who's going to be on their team and, and when their games are taking place and when their home opener. Guys, that home opener is right around the corner. It's coming up in less than a week. Um, I shouldn't say home opener. I should say season opener. Check out their Twitter account. Uh, make sure that you can take a look at the FC Surge Twitter account. If I'm not mistaken, I do believe it is at FC Surge, but I want to double check because I don't want to send you guys to the wrong place. I want to say it is FC Surge. Yes, it is at FC Surge. So there you guys go for that. Um, as you know, there will always be NPSL action with the Miami United. Uh, for those of you that are not aware and or did not miss the show last week, guess what, guys? It's actually kind of funny. Um, the Miami United seems to have petitioned uh, the MPSL in order to finish their match against the Miami Fusion. Yes, the match that was stopped and the match that we talked about in the previous episode. Um, the teams will have to come back and contest the last 30 minutes of the match. Uh, so the game will pick up for 30 minutes and be at 5-2. And you better believe all of Magic City Soccer will be there for that spectacle because it's bound to get crazy. It's bound to get real crazy up in here. Um so it should be a fun match. This Sunday, Miami United do play at home. So once you make it back from your trip to Jacksonville and you think, well, what do I do on a Sunday afternoon? Guys, you head to Hialeah, you head to Ten Hedrick Stadium, and you watch Miami United take on the Jacksonville Armada under-23 team in the MPSL. Um, so you'll have that. You'll have a full weekend of Miami soccer. Guys, keep in mind that there is going to be... Uh, a, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the United States men's national team plays tonight also. Uh, I believe they do take on Venezuela, if you are listening, on a Saturday uh, as their tune-up for World Cup qualifying matches that we will discuss on next week's podcast. Guys, it was fun. Thank you, as always, for allowing me into your living rooms, your headphones, your speakers, your car audio, wherever it is that you're playing to us. It means the world that you do listen to us and you do subscribe on iTunes and on SoundCloud, no matter where you're listening and how you're listening, we do really appreciate it. Should you guys have any ever have any questions or concerns, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Our uh, account is at Magic City Soccer. We do have a Facebook page as well, Magic City Soccer. Put that in the Facebook engine and you will find our logo. Just look for the skyline of Miami. So, for our usual co-hosts that are not here today, Drew Hausman, Safe Travels, Matthew Bunch, Safe Travels as well, my friend. Uh, This is Oma Mubayid. Go Miami FC and go Miami soccer. Have a great night, ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye.